Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today we're joined by Captain Dan Keating, and he has literally written the book on salmon and trout fishing. Well, actually multiple books on catching Great Lakes salmon and trout. He began chartering back in 1983. He's one of the most experienced anglers out on Lake Michigan. Captain Dan Keating, thanks for joining the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. Great to be here. What is it about fishing salmon and trout on Lake Michigan that makes you passionate about it? Oh, I, you know, Chris, I've always been passionate about the water and being outdoors and, um, Grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and my dad and I, we had a, my dad had a 17 foot Boston whaler and we would go out and we would, uh, we'd spend our weekends fishing and we would, you know, move around from the bottom of the lake, uh, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, all the way up through Door County. Um, and it's just something about chasing a, chasing a fish that hits really hard and can just, you know, dump, you know, a couple hundred yards of line off your reels in all that blue water out there. It's, it's kind of mysterious and it's a great fight when you find them. What was it like back then compared to fishing now on the lake? <laughs> there's some things that are so different and there's some things that are so, so the same. Um, back then I think fishermen were more intuitive because we didn't, we didn't have these, the bath, bathospheric charts. Um, we didn't have the network of communication between guys on Lake Ontario, Lake Michigan. Um, we didn't have sonars uh, like we have today with the nav system. So you really had to pay a lot more attention when you were fishing. You paid a lot more attention to the water and the bottom topography. Um, on, so that was different. On Lake Michigan, the water was definitely darker. It was more stained. Um, so that influences lures we use. I believe the fish can see a lot from a lot further distance in Lake Michigan. So they can, they can actually zoom in and hit our baits from a greater distance than before. And the biggest change that we've seen um, is that we have a lot more fish offshore. You know, back in the seventies and eighties, most of our fishing was within on the West side of Lake Michigan was within three miles of the shoreline. Um, the past few years, you know, during, especially during the summer and sometimes in the late fall, guys will think nothing of, of making a, a, an eight, 10, 15 mile run, um, where I have fished out of in the Winthrop Harbor, Kenosha area. There's a number of guys who've gone to diesel boats for chartering, um, just because we're making such long runs. So that, that's a big change there. What do you think it is? Why are the fish moved out deep? Oh, I think it's partly the environment. The water's clearer. The lake warms up at a different rate. It's much clearer water, so it's harder to warm it up compared to stained water, which absorbs the heat faster. Um, I think there's more bait offshore. Um, I know the alewives are in flux and their populations go up and down, but the years where we did not have a lot of large alewives on Lake Michigan, there were a lot of small and medium-sized alewives, and they, like, they tended to get blown offshore and spend a lot of time over deep water. And the fish, um, despite what some DNR departments think, salmon are opportunistic, and they're going to find the bait, whatever it is they're going to eat. So you've been fishing out of Winthrop Harbor. What's special about Winthrop Harbor, um, that port and its surroundings? Why, why do you like that so much? 
Well, you're between Chicago and Milwaukee. So from a charter perspective, there's lots of people. Um, so you, um, you also have the best of both worlds on Lake Michigan. If you go south out of this uh, Withrop Harbor, which is really on the Wisconsin, Illinois statewide, you get into the Illinois side, it's much shallower. You go out to the Northeast into Wisconsin, you have deeper water closer to shore. So it kind of gives you some good shallow water structure and access to deep water without, you know, with, without getting crazy as far as how far you have to run. You get a really good mixed bag of fish. Um, you know, the king population in Lake Michigan, it's, uh, it's kind of down right now compared to what we've seen in other years. But you have, you've got, a, you know, a really good steelhead population. You've got cohos. Um, and then obviously you've got your trout, your browns, and your lake trout. How does that fishery around your area, how does that change throughout the year? Um, what does it look like as it transitions throughout the year? Okay. Typically, um, well, you know, this year it's, it's a little different with the COVID age. You know, a lot of, you know, the charter boats are not allowed to run yet in Illinois. Um, but the recreational fishermen are. Um, so typically we start out with cohos. Um, the coho fishing depends on how severe the winter is. Some years it doesn't get going until May. This year um, it got going in April. There was, appears to be a, a really good coho population in the lake. So we start out with cohos, and then usually around the second week of May, you'll get a wave of kings moving through the area. Um, I believe these are the naturally the, the natural fish, the fish that are spawning, whether it's in Michigan's uh, rivers on Lake Michigan or from Lake Huron, and they kind of seem to migrate out of the southern basin, and we'll get a little shot of them. Some years it'll be a bigger sh big shot, and some years it's just scattered numbers. So the middle and the latter part of May, you've got great multi-species fishing. You've still got your coho, but you've also got kings underneath them. And then you've got offshore, you've got steelhead and lake trout. Then you get into June, we get our June swoon like everybody does. It's kind of a transition month. Um, it, it's a wild card because some years the cohos will stick around and the June swoon's not too painful. But if the cohos depart, then we're kind of transitioning out to deeper water. We're looking for kings, whatever number of kings are around. Um, you're getting more lake trout and you're starting to see the steelhead move into the area. Then the months of July and August are two solid months in this area and it's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, if you were here 20 years ago and actually uh, maybe 10 years ago, it was predominantly kings. Now you'll have, you'll have windows where there will be kings around, but when the kings aren't there, then you're targeting the steelhead the cohos, the lake trout, and the occasional king. And then your fall, you'll get, if you go up by Racine and Kenosha, they have runs of kings. Um, and then your deep water comes alive with immature kings, which are going to be anywhere from 5 to 15 pounds. And those will be available, you know, guys, some guys last year were fishing right up until December, catching them out in deep water. How do you target kings when you're fishing out of your home port there in Winthrop Harbor? Um, I know things change throughout the year, but kind of what, what's your, your main program look like? Uh, my main program for targeting kings. Wow. That's, um, written a couple books on, <laughs> on that. <'cause, laughs> you, you know, Chris Lake Michigan fishing. Give us the two minute answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've been fortunate and been able to fish a lot in the ocean too. And we've, I don't know what it is about the great lakes, but we've made this so complicated. And, um, so my king program is, is 
it's a loaded question. Are the are we targeting kings? Are we do we have them in 30, 40, 50 feet of water? Do we have them, are they out over 80 to 120 feet of water? Or are they way out past 200 feet of water? So you know, the first question is, where is Mr. King Salmon? You know, in the summertime, you know, we can kind of make the lake a little bit smaller and figure this out um, by water temperature and bait fish and structure. Um, Kings like cold water, you know, big mature kings, not shaker kings, but larger kings. I believe their primary range is probably going to be 42 to 48 degrees, but they will they will tolerate water up to 55, 56, 57 degrees um, as well. But they need that real cold water. Um, they also need a lot to eat. Um, so you know, alewives are their preferred food source. So. We've got to find the cold water, got to find the AOIs. So your first step is to locate the thermocline, figure out where the thermocline is, and then the kings in the summer are going to be from that point down. They're going to be below that. Um, then, you know, you start thinking about bait. Um, one other factor that will really help us as far as we're putting this puzzle together between the cold water and the bait fish are currents and structure. Um, pay a great deal of attention to currents when I'm fishing not just for my lure speeds, but I'm, I'm watching the weather and um, I'm watching, you know, because the currents in Lake Michigan are, they're wind driven. So let me back up a few uh, steps here. Um, so every time the wind shifts directions, the current's gonna change. So in the summertime, I'm watching the winds before I go out fishing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're fishing every day, you're kind of experiencing the winds, but what I tell guys at our salmon schools that we do in the wintertime, I tell recreational anglers that if you don't have access to a lot of information before you go fishing, pay real close attention to the weather um, in the week leading up to your fishing trip. Kind of watch what direction the winds are because that's going to give you a clue on what direction the currents are. Now the currents, they move the thermocline around. So like where I fish out of, if we get a, a southerly, a wind out of a southerly to a southwest component, that's going to drive the thermocline closer to shore in the water column. We get an onshore wind where I fish out of that pushes the warm water in, cold water down. Um, so it's going to kind of, it's making the lake a little smaller so I know whether or not I'm going to have cold water within five miles of shore, maybe in that 40 to 100 foot range, or if the water is going to be warm in there and I already know that I have to blast out to deeper water to find that, that cold water. When you pay attention to the currents like that though, you also, before you go fishing, you already know um, how the currents are going to be moving beneath the surface. So when you're setting lines, you don't really have any surprises. You're kind of anticipating it. Um, the other thing I'm looking for when I'm targeting the kings when I go out, once I figure out that area that I want to fish with the water temperature, I like to be around structure for kings. That definitely concentrates the baits, um, creates some upwellings and lots of other things that you can talk for hours about. Um, so I'm heading to areas that I've already marked off on my GPS where there's good structure. Um, as far as, you know, setting lines, if you're getting out in the dark to fish that sunrise period, and those are the easiest kings of the day to catch at first light, kings will move up in the water column to feed. Um, so a lot of times we're setting our lines in the dark or, you know, you know just before sunrise, you're setting, you're targeting, um, maybe 20 feet below the thermocline, up into the thermocline, and maybe 10, 15, 20 feet above the thermocline. 
because on Lake Michigan, there's a whole lot of life in that thermocline. There's a whole lot of plankton and dead matter. So you've got your bait, your alewives, your baby perch, whatever. They're all feeding there. So your salmon, they're going to move up into that zone under the cover of, of night, darkness. They're going to feed. And then what you see kings doing is you'll see them dropping down during the day. So, you know, another thing about king fishing is earlier in the morning, kings are being caught higher in the water column. Whether you're in 50 foot of water or 300 feet of water, they're typically higher up. And then as the sun comes up, they start dropping down, down, and down in the water column. Um, so that, that's kind of the basics of it. Um, as far as lures go for my king program, in, you know, if I were going, if, if we were going out this afternoon to target some kings, I'd have a lot of magnum moonshines on in the spring because I'm, I'm moving fast. I'm multi-species fishing. I'm trying to catch steelhead up high. I'm covering ground because I really don't know where the kings are at. So I've got my spoons. In the summer, though, in the morning, it's predominantly a flasher and fly um, program using Howie flies. Um, and the, typically the eight inch flashers, the hot spots, the coyotes, the pro trolls, um, sometimes throwing an 11 inch paddle in there with them. Um, and you know, that's usually going to be a Dreamweaver paddle, um, when I'm doing that. Um, and, and some, and the other two flashers early in the morning that you always have to, you know, have them in the starting lineup are your spin doctors, the eight inch spinny, and then, um, one lure Jensen Dodger. The old-fashioned Dodger that everyone thinks is like trout. One of the things I have found is early in the morning, one Dodger with all my white flashers, um, and I run four downers. Um, I like to run four riggers. Um, that one Dodger not only does it catch a lot of big kings, but I think it pull. I think it actually attracts other fish into the spread. Um, so I'm doing that heavy flasher and fly. Fly color is going to change. You know, the fly color is going to depend on really how far down in the water column we're going. Um, you know, if we're targeting the kings, you know, early in the morning and they're 40, 50, 60 feet down, there's going to be some, a lot of green, a lot of aqua. But once the, the kings are below that 60, 70, 80 feet down, then it's going to be more of the, uh, in the early morning, it's going to be more of the, uh, uh, the pearl blue howie, the white howie, um, the bullfrog howie, uh, the super frog howie um, further down. So early in the morning, heavy flasher and fly. Um, typically got this, you know, on my riggers and divers, um, running wire divers, usually for Kings kind of packing it all in, you know, right, right below the thermocline in the thermocline and just above the thermocline. Once the sun's coming up, the bait starts spreading out, start dropping them down, start running them on further leads behind the downrigger weights. Um, and I'll start switching out, um, switching out some of the flashers and flies and adding more spoons into the spread during the daylight hours for Kings. And everything is getting a lot more spread out how I'm running it. Dan, that was a, a fantastic about a six-minute seminar on how to, how to catch, catch King. Here's all the books. <laughs> it's all, this book right here has got a lot of that in it. So shameless plug, sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a moment to do all the plugs you want here in a little bit. So that was a really good about a six-minute seminar. But what is it? about you and what you've done in, in your kind of career that you think has made you successful? I mean, what, what do you think your secret sauce is? <laughs> well, I had a good foundation. Um, um, I, you know, um, God's been good to me. I've gotten to make a living outside on the water and I have spent a lot of time on the water. And I think 
if I had to sum it up, it's that I pay really close attention to the environment, um, to how the water is moving beneath the surface, to the water texture, um, the interaction of, of the weather in the water. Um, you, that, that has helped a lot. Um, and being passionate about it because you work harder. I watch a lot when I'm out, I've, you know, um, I've watched a lot of both recreational fishermen fish and a lot of charter captains fish. And a lot of guys are very complacent with how they fish. They get out there, they go to their area, they set it up, put everything in the water, looks good, and then they wait. And there's a time to wait, but there's also a time to, do I need to be in another spot? And then also, do I, do I need to start adjusting my spread? Um, and some days the biggest difference is it's, um, you know, where your lures are running in relationship to each other. Um, you can't just put, you know, four coppers out, two divers and three downriggers and call it a day. You got to think about adjusting the divers with their relationship to the downriggers, where your baits on the downriggers in relation to each other, both vertically to each other, but also horizontally, horizontally, um, you know, with the stealth tactics, is it a lead core bite? Is it a copper bite? Um, you know, there are some seasons that the, tor the torpedoes do the heavy damage. Um, so it's just a matter of figuring out um, that combination of lures each day, um, kind of like a puzzle, putting the pieces together. So not giving up is a big part of it. You just keep working and trying. And while kings are definitely easier to catch at sunrise, I think a lot of guys give up because kings will... Kings will turn back on and fire up mid-morning. Mid you know, that's, that's not that unusual. It's just people quit trying for them by that point. So kind of keep working at it. And the one biggest advice I can give to you guys who are new to this, and we are seeing more guys getting into this sport at our salmon schools the past two winters, We've seeing more multi-species fishermen, you know, diving into Great Lakes fishing is to the more you can learn about the nature of the king salmon and the alewife, what they eat. And I would say it supplies steelhead and the cohos and lake trout if you want to target them. The more you learn about those fish, the better your understanding of the weather and how the currents move all the water around, you're going to learn how to find the fish before you even start fishing. Catching them is a lot easier than that, but finding them. And it's by paying attention to the environment the currents and understanding the nature of the fish. That's probably the biggest thing. I can tell that you're an educator because oftentimes your answers lead to my next question. So that, that was my next question was what should someone who is just getting started or maybe going from inland lakes to the great lakes, what's your best advice for them? You sort of answered it, but do you have, do you have anything else? Uh, if you're just, if you're just the best advice, if you're just starting out, um, going from inland fishing to Great Lakes fishing is, um, don't make it too complicated. It's really easy to be intimidated by fishing, whether it's like Michigan, like Ontario, like Huron for salmon and trout. Um, start out, start out slow. Um, Get, you know, you don't need to start out by owning everything. You, know, you see some of these pictures of charter boats and some of these tournament boats and they've got like 30 rods and reels ready to go. That's not where you start. Um, start out with a half a dozen rigs um, 
a selection of lures um, and learn how to fish those and then start adding into your arsenal. Um, so I would also say that there's a lot of information out there to, to kind of build a foundation on. Um, we've got a, a couple of my books and one of my DVDs is very good for starting out with that, but online, um, there's some forums, depending on which lake you fish on guys are throwing questions out there. Um, so using some of those forums, using social media, I know on Facebook, there's, um, you know, a whole bunch of different threads, uh, or groups about big water fishing. So get in there, make some relationships with people and start asking questions. And, um, that's a good way. Um, another good way is if, depending on where you're at, if there's any fishing clubs, I, I know in Illinois and Wisconsin and Michigan, there are some fishing clubs. If guys join those, um, the thing about fishing on, on the great lakes is that if you have more people on your boat, you can run more lines. So a lot of, there's a lot of guys out there looking to bring people with. So, um, obviously they can share their gas costs and share the day with, but it allows them to run more lines and we can all learn off of each other. So I would say make some relationships and uh, get some experienced anglers to take you out. That's good stuff, Dan. People want to know more about you or they want to find out about the books and the DVDs. Where's the best place for them to find you? Okay. Um, I have a website, captaindankeating.com. Uh, it's captaindankeating.com. And you can find more information there about all of our books. You know, we've got six, uh, four books and two DVDs um, in our salmon schools in the wintertime, which, you know, last year we held them in um, Michigan, Illinois, New York. Uh, I know this next year is we're allowed to have groups of 10 or more together. We're going to have them in uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, New York, possibly Indiana. Um, but all that information will be posted on, on captaindankeating.com. Perfect. Is there anything that you wanted to bring up, something you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about today? No, there, there's, um, but let me just mention, because you did mention um, the books and DVDs, just if it's okay if we do this. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if you're just starting out on fishing, the blue book, it's blue. Uh, it's Great Lake Salmon and Trout Fishing, the Complete Trollers Guide. This is a very, um, this is a very foundational book. It's very basic. Um, so it's a good good starting point and um, great story had literally two guys from, I believe it was Springfield, Illinois. Um, they had had a bass boat were bass fishermen, very good, uh, you know, inland fishermen. They bought this book. They sat in their driveway, putting some downriggers on their bass boat, rigging it up, spent a weekend doing that, drove up to Lake Michigan, took what they learned in this book and caught their first, uh, you know, 10 fish limit out on Lake Michigan doing that. So this is a good starting point all the terms, the vernacular of what's going on. It all makes sense. Um, and then the, the Brown book, Keating on Kings, is 256 pages of King Salmon information. So this is, um, you know, like I said, Chris talked for hours about Kings. It's in there. The Red book, which is the most recent book, um, is a multi-species book. Um, it has more of the newer tactics in it. It has an in-depth section on currents as an in-depth section on how to pay attention to the environment, which I was kind of alluding to. Um, so in, in that chapter, that really helps explain what guys are looking for on the water. Um, and again, this is uh, Kings, Coho, Steelhead, Lake Trout, um, and Browns in this book. Um, Angling Life is, the other books will tell you how to catch fish. This is a book that just uses fishing as a metaphor to look at life. 
It's a great Father's Day gift, but um, good read, and it's, it's more about life than fishing. Um, and then we've got the two DVDs. Part one is a more entertaining, more basic on King Salmon, and part two DVD is um, it's more advanced and it's more about lure selection. Part two is really boring compared to part one as we're catching fish. And um, been working uh, hard trying to finish up another book, have a Q&A book uh, coming out. My wife has been telling me for years, she's like, honey, you got to write a question and answer book. And I've kind of put that off. But then, you know, thinking about doing all these seminars I've done, and guys, guys ask questions. Our brains are we're kind of wired that way. So we've got a Q&A book coming out. I'm not sure what the title is going to be. Um, but that hopefully will come out this summer. It's going to be um, organized uh, categorically, you know, like boats set up by different species, strategies, tactics. So guys can use it as a reference point. So when they're out there fishing, it's like, ah, can't figure out what's going on. Go rank that section and you're going to see your question there and, a, and, a, and a, you know, any answer. So Awesome. Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. I think uh, you've offered some really good insights and I think also uh, maybe sent people to the right places to go if they want to learn some more. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining the show. I've got one favor to ask you. If you've enjoyed the podcast and you like it, please go to whatever platform you're using to uh, listen to the show. And once you're there, um, leave a review and go ahead and take a screenshot of that review and email it to me, Chris at greatlakesfishingpodcast.com, and I'm going to send you a really cool Great Lakes Fishing Podcast decal that you can put up on your boat, on your cooler, wherever. Um, but uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Really appreciate everybody listening. And if you can leave that review, that would really help me out a lot. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for watching. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.